Hey, I'm Bailey. Hey, I'm Michael. And David is not here today because um, we're actually in a church and he caught on fire because he's an atheist. So <laughs> um, That's not true. David is actually off the mic. We only have three mics. So uh, we're here to interview Pastor M- Mark. Mark. Yep. Yeah, I messed that up. I was, I was thinking there's like, see, we've got several other ones we're going to be doing and I've mixed up all See, the names. If it makes you feel better, I remember Mark because that's my girlfriend's dad's name. Wow. So it's just like stuck in there. It's like Michael. I'll always remember This will be Michael. the coolest one you do. Probably will. More, man, yeah. it's a very good chance. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Pastor Mark, uh, how did you end up as a pastor? Well, kind of like y'all guys, I believe. I was raised in church and uh, couldn't wait till I was 18 so I wouldn't have to go no more because <laughs> my mom and dad, I, I, it was just a bitter, legalistic, uh, dead junk. Mm-hmm. And I saw no difference in my family at home. It made absolutely no difference. And my mom and dad still fussed and fought and and then I got blessed. If you look at it this way, my mom and dad divorced when I was 16, so I got out of church two years earlier than I thought I would be able to. Uh-huh. And then uh, when I met my girlfriend, which is my wife now for 35 years, um, first if I was going to date her, I was going to go to church. Well, she looked good, so I went to church. <laughs> and uh, that works. Yeah, so, but eventually... I drug her down. We got married. We went in church. But then when my son was born, um, I saw her go from woman to mama. And it was just, I was raised in church. I'm going to raise my kids in church. Well, then again, you're going to go to church. I'm going because you're good looking and there's a lot of men there and I'm going. That's the only reason I went. And then uh, finally the Holy Spirit just worked on me and worked on me. And but so at age 25, I... Uh, Gave my life to Christ. And then five years later, I'm in ministry. So y'all are actually sitting, this is the month of my 26th year in ministry. Wow. Congrats. And, uh, yeah, and I, I knew I ran for a long time, but I had a great job. In uh, 1998, I made about $100,000 a year, which you can imagine what that would be now. And uh, left there and went in full-time ministry for $36,000 a year. But I, but I, and I loved my job. Loved it. Would have never left my job. So I had to be, God had to make me miserable to want to leave. Mm-hmm. And then it was a blessing because about eight years later, I'd have been in my upper 40s and they the plant closed. I'd have been in my upper 40s in a man, managerial job. Who wants to hire somebody at that age at that kind of money? So yeah. God went before me and I'm here I am. You know, been this is my first pastorate. I was a worship leader and Associate pastor while I was in seminary, mm-hmm. I mean school, and then uh, but this is ain't many pastors can say that. Yeah, but they've been in one place eighteen years, the only place they've ever been. That's cool. So it's yeah. uh, cool. I, just, I love it. I love it. Love seeing lives change. Love seeing young men like you seek, and you know it's better than just not doing anything. I like it. Keep yeah. seeking. Yeah. So and everything works out in the end. Right. So I've always believed then. <clears throat> so. The episode that's going to be coming out before this episode uh, is kind of an introduction to this series that right. um, 
the question is why go to church, you know, because up to this point in this, in the podcast, we've kind of talked about reasons to believe reasons people might disbelieve whether they're good or not and kind of discussed that. Um, but everything up to this point has been very intrinsic beliefs. Um, so what, in your opinion, what is the purpose of expressing that in an extrinsic way? Why should you go to church if you, if you believe all these things, what's the point of going to church, basically? Yeah, question. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to make it so complicated, so I'll simplify a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, no one actually goes to church. There's no such thing as a church building. They mm-hmm. go to a building. The church goes to a building, the body of believers. And we're told in the book of Hebrews, do not forsake to assemble yourselves together. In Acts chapter 2, it tells us we have all things in common and we're to look after one another and, and support one another. So we come. Uh, I want you to learn, but I shouldn't be teaching you everything. You should come. I should be, when you listen to the sermon, I should be confirming what you're already learning. And uh, But if I'm teaching you everything, I mean, every once in a while I hope I teach you something. Yeah. But, but, but we're all working out our salvation. I don't know it all. There's things in the Bible you can ask me now, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, don't mean I won't try to look. But I think we come together for encouragement. Scripture says, I'm pastor. The Bible tells me in uh, Hebrews um, chapter 10 that I'm going to stand responsible for my sheep. Well, if I'm going to be responsible for you, I'm going to see you every once in a while, check on you. So there's many reasons in Scripture we go to church, but mine is I, lo- I like the corporate worship, and I love my people, and I love I love us gathering together. We're created to be social people. That's why it's funny y'all are doing this in this time and age. I, I'm not sure what the results are going to be from all this social distancing. We're not we're not called to distance. We're called to be together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why fellowship is so important. And, uh, so that's why I go to church. Gotcha. All right. Well, I've been dominating the conversation, so I'll let Michael ask the next question. All righty for the next question. What is the itinerary for your average church service? Um, like our order service? Yeah, like yeah. what What all? Yeah, we have, uh, we normally start with worship, just to get it going with the countdown, and and then we'll do our welcome and our offering, and then go through some more worship music, praise and worship, and then preach a message, send an invitation, and go to the house. Gotcha. So typically, but I might mess them up sometimes. When they like to run late, I might preach first. So they come in and all of a sudden, like I missed the message, or, or I might. I just no telling. I'm I'm not your typical run of the mill preacher. Yeah, you're so, not the one you can just set a clock to. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, because I've ever grown up. That was one thing that always got me. It's like, all right. We'll be there at ten thirty. Songs already ended. Preacher be about halfway through the sermon. Yeah, and I remember growing up. You know, people demanded that you get out at twelve. And, oh uh, yeah, because I guess the Holy Spirit can't work after twelve. <laughs> guess he. So you know, it takes the but rest my of the trial, day off. my my trial sermon when I came here and preached for my trial sermon, I intentionally preached past twelve intentionally because I wanted them to see you're getting what you get. I'm not. I'm not on your time clock. And they voted for me anyway, so. Hey, if you got the right thing to say, you got the right thing to say. Right. And to follow that up, in your church, 
why would you use contemporary Christian music as opposed to the more traditional hymns that other Baptists or sections might use? Yeah, we use all kinds. Uh, we're real particular on words. Yeah. To me, words matter. But, and I'll be honest with you, some of the, my daughter's our worship leader and my son's artist in residence who's Rhett Walker. And uh, I don't like all the songs they do. Some of them go, so I'm 56. Some of them move so fast, I can't sing them fast enough. But we always go with words, uh, the theological part of the song. I'm not. We don't do performance. I don't like that. We do worship. Uh, now we do have performances, but they're called concerts, mm-hmm. and they blow it up, man. The lights and the is is perfect. But we don't like that in our church. We're we're not about production. Yeah. We like we're about worship and the word, and uh, we do do some hymns. But then there's some there's some hymns like. The bomb in Gilead. I don't even know what that is. And do I love victory in Jesus? Yeah. But some churches, I would not reach the people I'm reaching. If if I had to do elevator music, I would. Uh, I don't like rap. Not because it's bad. It's because there's no way I could sing it. But I know one day before my ministry is over as a pastor, we're going to be doing rap music because that's, that's what's going to be reaching people. Whatever it takes to reach people without without going away from the message, we'll do. Gotcha. And uh, we throw some hymns in there, but if you think about it, and I, I'm not knocking their churches, what they do, they got to do what God's called them to do, but you go in most churches, it looks more like a funeral than it does a worship service. And I'm just not going to have that. Yeah. So you could, y'all coming tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you'll so. see. You'll see. We're not, we don't do that. I don't know. I can't stand the organ. It just sounds like the funeral's about to start. Yeah, it so. does. So it seems. So it's kind of like a balance between. It, it makes no sense, man. They come in, and I believe in sound, and I believe in good sound. I believe in quality sound, because there's people driving up to your church Sunday morning listening to the high tech radio, the 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 perfect CD or whatever, listening to perfect music, and they get out and come in. It sounds like the church is half cocked why does the church have to be less than the world i'm not going to be so we we value quality and uh don't mean we ain't gonna mess up sometimes or or courting gonna go bad or that stuff happens but i i just i do life not death and i'd rather preach from the mountaintop than the valley so it's it's kind of a balance between like a theological message and music that would appeal to modern people basically. yeah and well i think it's who you're reaching you know i'm reaching i don't wear jeans to preach in because i think i'm cool i wear jeans because that's who i'm reaching i'm not reaching three-piece suit guys that's okay. not it's not who my ministry reaches. i reach the downtrodden which is an answer for another question down the line here but we reached the, I, they they wouldn't recognize if i wear khakis they think i have a funeral to go to so but yeah. it's, it's who you reach. And that's why I'm saying I, did, I hate elevator music, but I would use it if that reached people for Jesus. Yeah, so the music's more of a vessel to get the message vessel, across yes. and to touch somebody than mm-hmm. it is just part of tradition. And yeah. But we're still, that. yeah, we're, but we're still pay attention to yeah. the theology and the words. Because some songs, I don't know if they sing it to their boyfriend or to the Lord. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We, we've actually had a couple conversations about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I've said this, and I know this is going to be out there, so I don't mind saying it. Uh, some of the guys, in, and even in Christian music, some of the guys on the radio, it sounds like it hurts them to sing, and it 
some of the women, it sounds like they're having an orgasm. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I, I just can't stand that. So yeah. we pay attention to those kind of things. Gotcha. But it's, music's very important. And uh, I believe I believe God uses music to touch our soul. It's an so. underrepresented part of our language. Yes, exactly. And so following off of that, what is the place of your church within your community? Oh, I love that question. Uh, we moved here intentionally because this is one of the poorest demographics in Aiken County. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to be on Wilston Road. Oh, by the way, we should probably mention the name of the church. Oh, Heights we Church. Have, yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. It's Heights Church in Beach Island. Beach Island. Beach Island. Yeah. We used South to Carolina. be on Wilston Road, and we outgrew it, sold that. Uh, I have stories, brother. I'm, y'all talking to the right guy, but <laughs> it's a long story. But we moved here intentionally because this is where the downtrodden are homeless everywhere so if you if you go around this community and you mention heights they'll tell you oh that's the churches involved in the community for example um just this friday lavelle mccamel uh, is trying to have their eighth grade social well the schools won't let them do it we open our doors not only we just say use our building we're doing the refreshments the food the, it's gonna cost them nothing you come on in school down on green street we just adopted three of their classes, which is a, they're building on a pre-K. It's predominantly um, downtrodden school, and uh, it's a Christian school. So a lot of people adopt one room, you know, pay for all the furnishing. It's a new building. We adopt three. I wanted to get all ten, but seven of them were done taken. Uh, in the midst of that, we're not inward, but during this COVID back in March, back in February, I stood before the church and said, uh, because even though it's, even though it seems kind of inward, it's still the community that comes to our church. Mm-hmm. I stood, I'm preaching through Acts. We have all things in common. We look after one another, blah, blah, blah. I stood and I said, that bill you have, that drives you insane. Um, that, that bill you missed because of being out of work for COVID or, or whatever. And then I said, even that bill where you screwed up, maybe a title loan or one of them crazy things is 300% interest. Even if you messed up, I want that bill. Well, it took a couple weeks because uh, they were faithful, man. I'd ask them, hey, I, I ain't, we ain't seen nothing from you. And I, I didn't see anything, but I knew we had three people turn something in in a downtrodden church. Mm-hmm. And uh, every one of them said, well, there's people worse off than me. I was like, I'm talking to you. So at the end of February, we paid off uh, over $35,000 in church members' bills. So I think it's cool because most people think preacher wants your money or that church just wants your money. And now we're just giving it back. Trying to help you. Yeah, yeah we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in this community. We have fares, we rides, don't charge. All the food's free. This is who we are. Because mm-hmm. I, I believe in missions. I believe in national missions, foreign missions. But I'm not going to send just money overseas when my people here won't share the gospel with their next door neighbor. Prove it here. And then we'll move on. Yeah. Gotcha. So, That's a good motto. And right. plus, it seems like you're trying to build a real community pillar instead oh, of just yeah. being another. Because in the Bible Belt, there's so oh, many yeah. churches. Be the lighthouse, man. And we stand out in the community. And I, I, Paul bragged on his churches in Scripture. I'll brag on mine in a heartbeat because they are some giving, some of the greatest giving people. And, uh, and that's one of the biggest things when it comes to how I as an outsider looking into Christianity is that giving spirit. Oh yeah, man. And creating that community of anybody, whether it's misfits or you're prim and proper, it doesn't matter. Everyone. We have all of them, buddy. 
in it. And that's yeah. one thing I do love to see. Yeah. All right. So I guess um, being that you're a Baptist church, there probably might be an answer for this on the internet, but for for you, how is your church governed? Well, we intentionally took the name Baptist out because we don't want to limit somebody that wants to come. Gotcha. But Baptist denominationally, I'm the reason I'm a Baptist pastor because mm-hmm. we're still part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Is uh, I believe Baptists are closer to the to the Scripture than than uh, others. The reason we're Baptist, well, I think it's a question. I'll, I'll answer that later. But we're governed. We're pastor led. We have a uh, we have uh, elders, deacons. We don't call them deacons. We call them uh, servant leaders. In a typical Baptist church, uh, pastors have no authority, even though they're in charge and they're supposed to do what the Spirit tells them to do. They have to wait on somebody to vote. Well, I'm not letting non spiritual people vote on spiritual things. I'm called to lead the church. I'm called to be the under shepherd. So I'm an under shepherd. And now, don't get me wrong, it says I'm on, I want wise counsel. So out of those servant leaders, deacons, the reason we call them servant leaders, a deacon is a servant, right? Mm-hmm. We remind them who they are. You're a servant leader, not the boss. Right. right. In most churches, families control the deacons, and they run the church. That's why they have pastor every three years. You know, So we don't play that here. And uh, But then I have... 12 to 13, 14 men that are elders. And if I really won't buy in or I'm really going to do something crazy or radical like move, mm-hmm. I, want, I want their buy-in. I want to talk to them. Because if, if I can't convince so are them. are elders and deacons the same? Or no. Are uh, deacons are servants. Elders are like your board of directors. That's the best okay. way to so explain kinda, it. So you're kind of like the president and the elders are like your cabinet. Yeah. Like, kind of like my little board. Gotcha. But on the other hand, if God tells me to do it, I don't care how crazy it sounds to you. I don't care. It does not matter. That's what we're going to do. And uh, I'm not having, don't get me wrong, I'll take wise counsel because sometimes I go, well, I didn't even think about that part. Oh, that's that could be a problem. But if I truly feel like the Lord's leading me to do it, hell, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to do it. Gotcha. So, so if he plants a seed, you I'm know gonna, you've got to take care of it and let it grow. Yep, so... I had that debate when I was working on my doctorate, where uh, and I went to a Southern Baptist, one of the six seminaries, and which is the best one, Southeastern, by the way. But I, I was debating with a in my doctorate with a professor about congregational authority. Nowhere in Scripture, I mean, y'all been in churches where they vote on things. Yes. Nowhere in Scripture is congregational authority. Nowhere. That's a very Americanized thing. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. nowhere. It's nowhere, and. Uh, so I kept saying, if you show me that, I'll agree with that. Well, none of them could show me. They were all in those kind of churches, so that's what they believed. Right. And I was like, he said, well, well, Mark, you just have to believe that the Holy Spirit's right there in the pew with them. I said, I ain't worried about the Holy Spirit being in the pew. I'm worried about the Holy Spirit being in their heart. And I'm not going to let those people decide. They're lost. I don't know I don't know their heart. But I don't, I'm going to let them decide something spiritual that our church is supposed to do? No way. God tells me to do it. I, you better get out of my way. So. Gotcha. So, what makes Baptists unique from other Christians? This is kind of, uh, I guess, what are the, like the theological distinctions between well, Baptists and other Christian? Just groups? to keep it simple, from going into the General Baptists and the Mennonites, and we're we're Baptists, 
mainly for three reasons. Uh, we left the Church of England and all years ago mm-hmm. because we didn't believe in red prayers. You know, if you go to Episcopal Church or uh, they'll have a they'll read a book. Let's pray and they read a book. And next it's week, a book they, of common prayer. Yeah, next week the prayer's the same, and the next week the prayer's the same. We didn't believe that. I'm talking hundreds of years ago. And then the other ones, we didn't believe in infant baptism. Um, we dedicate our children to the Lord. That's very biblical. Uh, Sam, uh, Hannah did it with Samuel, and Mary did it with Jesus. And But we believe baptism is after someone gives their life to Christ, not a sprinkling and it saves them. We, we just, that's, that's not just us. That's why we're bad. That's why Baptists are Baptists today. Mm-hmm. And then church autonomy. Like, we're in a convention, but the convention don't tell us what to do. Like, in the United Methodist Church, they get the pastor that the conference sends them, normally every four years. Mm-hmm. You know, they bring another one in. They bring. A, so we have church. Nobody tells this local church what to do. Gotcha. So that's the three main reasons. You, you can go into all kinds of worship. Um, back in the old day, they couldn't, oh, yeah. sing, they couldn't sing harmony because that was sensual and Mm-hmm. I was all kinds of stuff, but yeah, yeah. those are three main things: the infant baptism, red prayers, and autonomy of the local church. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I'll let I'll let Michael ask the next one. All right, well, kind of pulling off of that one, according to your tradition's theological perspective, what must one do to be saved? Well, I love that. I love that. Um, you've heard y'all been in church. You've heard this your whole life. Uh, you must ask Jesus to your heart to be saved. Y'all have heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You must ask forgiveness of sin to be saved. Y'all have heard that. Uh, sinner's prayer. I know you heard say the sinner's prayer. I don't know if you know this, but none of that's in Scripture. Nowhere does it tell us to ask Jesus to our heart. Nowhere does it tell us to ask forgiveness of sins. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what are you confessing? Most people say, I won't confess how bad I am. He knows how bad you are. You're confessing he is who he says he is. You're con- I don't understand the virgin birth, but if he's God, that's not a problem. Um, the hardest thing for me to believe out of the virgin birth, the Trinity, is him walking on earth 33 years without sinning because I know me. But if he's God, it's no problem. And it says, if you confess with your mouth, Lord, and bleed in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Well, if God raised him from the dead, he died. And I believe three days later he arose. Can't explain it except God. Forty days later he ascended. And John 14 says he's preparing a place that where he is, I may be also. Then it says you will be saved. So if I believe Jesus, see, so ask Jesus coming into your heart and forgiveness of sin are results of salvation, not requirements for salvation. The only requirement for salvation is Jesus. When we do anything else, we make it about us. Well, I have to do this. I have to do this. I, we're not smart enough to do that. He he is. So when you hear somebody say, well, you need to ask Jesus to your heart, that's nowhere in Scripture. But we've been taught it our whole life, mm-hmm. you know. And when the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, I got you. I, man, I dug. You, you wasting your time. Yeah. It's not in there. But we've heard it our whole life. And I thought, if, if there's a certain sinner's prayers, why has everyone I ever heard different, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's what here, you know, I preach at a funeral and I see some of them other Baptists, you know, come to, you know, goes to other churches, come to the funeral and be looking at me like, that must be heresy. But one thing I do know, it'll go home and get in their Bible for at least one day, trying to find it 
and then yeah. they're not going to find it. So. I guess as kind of a side question to that, yeah. um, let's say someone is mentally impaired and cannot comprehend right. um, the claims of the gospel. Right. Um, what would be the requirements for them? Well, babies can't either. So, but I believe, I believe babies or, are. Or that's, that's another thing is what if a child dies before they're of the age of reasoning to make that decision? Right. Uh, I believe they go to heaven because they couldn't make a choice. I can't prove that biblically. We, we say that to try to make us feel better, of course. Right. But it's the same thing. What about those that's never heard? I can't prove they never heard. Because Romans one tells me I can see him in nature, and uh, you know I can't I can't reject. It says in Romans one there is no excuse, but when someone's mentally impaired or something, uh, you know we're going to talk about. Well, I'll talk about a little predestined or foreknowledge. Predestined, you, you pre, no. But, you say predestined for heaven, we'll explain that later. But nowhere in Scripture says people are predestined for hell. So I don't believe the mentally impaired or the child, a child, the innocence of a child, they don't know. So I don't believe you're held responsible for what you do not know. Right. And I also know the God I serve is a righteous God. So whatever it is, it'll be right. It, I hate to say this, but even if they did, it'd be right because God's righteous. But biblically, I can't prove it. But walking close to God, I'm I'm not I'm don't think a a Down syndrome or a, a baby, a child, a toddler is gonna bust hell wide open. Yeah, we've um, I think we've kind of me and Michael have talked about this before. I don't know if it was on an episode or not, but that's kind of my answer. Is it's kind of like a inductive reasoning type thing mm-hmm. based on what you know about God. You can kind of deduce that right. if he's just then he's not going to send an infant child to hell for not knowing something that kind but, of thing but if he did it would still be just <clears throat> right because, because he's righteous yeah right and her the, the ways are higher than our understanding Amen. so it's kind of right yeah and plus i like to look at uh what was that verse i t- i've talked to you about i think it was like matthew eighteen nineteen. i'm gonna look it up don't quote me on that but it was it was something because when Jesus is talking to these people, you know, if your eyes cause you to sin, it's better to gouge it out than to live with sin. If your leg causes you to sin, better to live without a leg. Matthew eighteen nine, And later on, he talks about how you should be childlike and pure. Right. And so I like to, in my own way, attach that to God is just and he sees, say, if a child dies, oh, yeah. a form of purity. Oh, yeah. That child has not been washed in the sin yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's, if I theologically was to align in Christianity, that's kind of where I would fit, where everything will be just and have a reason and Mm -hmm. everything will happen as it should. Right. All right, so kind of playing off of the uh, what one must do to be saved, um, this is probably a subject of great debate upon many Christian groups, what is the role and nuance between faith and works in one's journey? Um, well, Ephesians 2 tells us we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. So, uh, 
Jehovah Witnesses must hand out so many watchtowers and it's all knock on so many doors. Mormons must knock on so many doors. We 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 serve God. We serve God because he they're serving God to try to get his acceptance. We feel accepted by God, so we serve God. It's just different. I don't work to be saved. I work because I'm saved. Right. And uh <clears throat> because it's they're trying let me put it this way. A lot of religions are trying to be good to be saved when the Bible never tells us to be good. The Bible tells us to do good. So, But I do good because I don't know good. All good comes from heaven. All good comes from above. I, if I buy somebody's coffee in the drive through behind me, I didn't think of that. God gave me that thought because all good comes from books. I can't even think to do good. And uh, he has to give me the things to do good. Which I'm glad he does. I just hope he don't do it a lot because I'm, I'm limited on money. But... Uh, but a lot of people would see that they feel like they got to do work, work, work. That's first of all because they're not settled in their salvation. They're they're still they're, they serve a, they're scared to death of God. God's looking at me ready to put the hammer down. That's not the God we serve. It's, the Bible says it is finished. And uh, the problem is our flesh didn't get saved. Our soul got saved. Mm-hmm. So we keep sinning, and then we try to work and work and work and work and work. So God won't be mad at us. Well, God redeemed us. And more on that, once saved, always saved in a little bit. But we don't, we, long story short, faith without works is dead. It don't say work without faith is death. Faith without works is dead. So you got to have faith, and then your works is to support that. I, I want to serve God. And I, when, I, when I do something, I ask my job to preach. I can't even use that. But if I'm sharing the gospel out somewhere, or I'm, or I'm just being kind to someone, I want to do that. Because I serve a living God. And whether you're agnostic, atheist, whatever, see, I know me. Y'all know, y'all don't know me. Nobody knows me. My heart except Jesus. I know what it took to redeem me. I've, I don't, I, y'all don't even know my testimony. Don't, you probably don't want to know my testimony. But I know who I was. And uh, at 23 years old, y'all didn't, y'all didn't want to know me at 23. And then all of a sudden, two years later, God radically transforms my life. So I knew, I know, I, I tell my church, I don't believe anymore. I just know. I'm way past believing in God. I just know. So it's just because I know who I was. But I want to work because of my faith, not to keep my faith. Gotcha. So, Yeah. Um, so I think in in relation to that, one controversial view that's kind of brought up in Baptist circles sometimes is this once saved, always saved, where basically all you have to do is make that mental ascent, get dunked in a tub, and then you got your ticket to heaven. Boom. You don't have to do anything Fire else. Insurance, baby. Please don't tell me anything that I have to do. I don't want to go help the community. I don't need to do any of this yeah. other stuff. I've already got my ticket to heaven, so leave me alone. So how do you handle Or, you, or your name's that? on the roll of the church. You join the church, you get your name on it. They think that's the Lamb Book of Life. Yeah, I go to church on Sunday. What yep. what else do you want from me? Exactly. I believe once saved, always saved because because the uh, Bible teaches once saved, always saved. I have been redeemed. I've been redeemed once. He says he died once. And, you know, you know on the cross, Jesus said it is finished. But in the book of Hebrews, it says he sat down. Sat down means done. I've done my work. I sat down. And, uh, what we see though is hypocritical Christians, which, or I'm sorry, hypocritical people 
And I believe there's some who are truly saved and get lazy in their faith. I believe that. But I also believe there's some that had that emotional experience. So it's really not they left the church, they, they walked away from the faith, they lost their salvation. Well, what sin is it that you can lose it? What? It's a gift of grace. I can't give the gift back as much as I want to. Back to what I was saying, the reason we screw up is our soul got saved. This flesh didn't get saved. That's why we were born with a sin nature. Our sin nature didn't get saved. Our sin got saved. So we will continue to sin. Well, so what's the difference here? Well, for me as a Christian, it keeps me out of perfect fellowship with God. Not that, not out of heaven. Not out of not out of a, a positionally correct. I'm positionally correct in Jesus. It says I'm clothed in His righteousness. So it means if God even looks at me, He don't see me. He sees Jesus. And then when it comes to my sin, it takes me out of fellowship. What is confession? Confession is when he, you know how Holy Spirit will work on you, man. Holy Spirit will work on you. And I go, I agree with God, yep. I shouldn't have treated my wife that way. I shouldn't have talked to my wife that way. It puts me back in communion with God instead of being, you know, he's going to get me. He's going to get me. For the believer, that sin and that Holy Spirit stirring is to draw him to him. But if you think as a believer, if we could lose our salvation, it wouldn't be no point being saved because we'd all lose it the very next day. You know, talking about Jesus going 33 years, I barely go 33 minutes. And uh, but, but but the problem is we see all these people that, and I see it. I'm a pastor, man. I had a revival in 2017, I believe it was. It, I preached 19 times in 17 days. 100-something people baptized. Uh, might be 30 of them still here. You know? and uh, But I can't judge them because I don't know their heart. Only God knows their heart. Yeah, I guess as a... Uh, to spice that question up is what if somebody becomes an apostate? What if somebody leaves the faith and then rejects everything, Christianity and slanders? I don't believe they ever were saved. Okay. Okay. We would have to. You'd, that's what you'd have to question in, uh, and I would. I'm like, man, I don't, you're you, you'll be known by your love. You'll be known, you, you know. And then for them just to say, "I serve a holy, wonderful God," and then walk away from the faith, I don't think it's possible. I don't think they ever got it. I think it was an emotional experience that my buddy did it, or or something moved me in a song, something, whatever it was. I want to pacify my wife. I'm trying to save my marriage. Mm-hmm. I want to pacify my parents. I'm in trouble. Uh, it'd be something, but I don't, I don't believe you can walk away from true faith because if we could, see, I'd scare me to death if I'm in, if I sinned and a sin caused me to lose my salvation. I hope I'm not hit by a truck before I can confess that, you know, and get because we'd live on pins and needles. But the Bible says we're we're redeemed, fully redeemed. And the Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit. We take the Holy Spirit for granted a lot, but without Him, it says He's the seal of the promise. We're sealed if you read that. And that's the stamp property of God. And uh, But we're still going to mess up because our sin nature. Yeah. Dude, I screw up all the time. <laughs> I just try to, we're all in a sanctification process, and 
And some people do grow faster. You know, Paul says, man, you're still on the nipple. You ought to be on the meat. They're still Christians. They're just baby Christians, and they act like babies. And then you got some Christians, they act just like toddlers. They screw up, had to bust their butt, change their diaper, hope they'll get to teenage years where I can want to kill them, and then one day mature in the faith, you know. But it's just it's the same way as life. We're on this, the Bible says, work out your salvation. These people say they got saved, and that day the whole world's problem, they're, they're liars. I got saved, and I still had the same bills and the same problems and a marriage that was falling apart. And the difference is now I want to work on it. And mm-hmm. I want to save it. It's just the, but we're on this sanctification. I explain it to my church like this. We're, we're on this sanctification. And you, you'll never arrive, never, until glorification. But we get on this path, and I'm going that way, and I'm walking with God, and I screw up. And I finally realize, and it brings me back. And then I repent. Just to be, not repent that I've lost my salvation, repent to be in fellowship with him. Then I start working again. You know what my goal is? Lord, let me walk a little past further. Let me walk a little further before I screw up than I did last time. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep doing this all the way to glorification until one day he's going to come and I ain't going to worry about it no more. Gotcha. So. Now, I, I have one more example on that. Um, and I'll put a concrete example. Um, do you know Rhett and Link? Who? Rhett and Link. They're a couple of YouTubers. Uh-huh. Um Basically, they have a show called... Yeah, I'm in the wrong generation, boys. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, basically, I, I don't follow them a ton, but I've uh, followed people who have analyzed the story. Basically, uh, they're a group of YouTubers that um, go on a channel called Good Mythical Morning. Um, they've done their channel for like 10 years or something. Long time. Right. Um, so, basically, they used to be very strong Christian people. Um Recently, over the past couple of years, however, they have come out as either agnostic or atheist or not Christian. They, they might be spiritual or whatever. Um, and they've gone on their podcast and kind of talked about this specific thing is, you know, they said that they truly, really 100% believed when they were in church and when they were, because uh, they did a bunch of... Um, mission projects and stuff. Um, so they said they 100% truly believed what they believed. And then they said, you know, the reactions from their, uh, their old church friends, I guess was kind of like this kind of response. Either you didn't believe in the first place. Um, and and that's, that's kind of the only option that they have Mm -hmm. is because they're like, well, I did believe. You can't tell me I didn't believe. Mm-hmm. So I guess if someone really, really did believe and then they walk away and they say they really, really don't believe, what's going on there in terms of the whole My salvation? testimony. Because I knew Scripture. I believed I believed in Jesus. I believed in God. I believed, I mean, I believed the stories of the Bible. I believed Noah and David and I mean, the whole time, I had a great, see, they say they believe what they're saying they believe. They had a great head knowledge of Jesus, had a great head knowledge of the Lord. They just didn't have a heart knowledge. I had a great head knowledge, but if the Lord would have came back, I was going to bust hell wide open because I hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Uh, I correct my pastor. Well, he was associate pastor then. I told you I went to church with my wife just because 
I wasn't going to let them be around them men without me. Mm-hmm. We're in Sunday school, and the associate pastor, which became the pastor that I became the associate, I'm one of my best friends in the world, I could correct his teaching in Revelation. And I didn't know Jesus no more than a man in the moon, but I'd been around the Bible. I had a lot of head knowledge. I could do Bible trivia with you. So I believe there's a lot of people like that. We know. I mean, we're, we're, we live in the Bible Belt. We're in America. We, we, you know, America has the greatest opportunity. Right now, we're receiving the most missionaries, though. There's more missionaries coming to America. We used to send the most. Mm-hmm. Now we have more coming. What's that say about our country? Yeah. However, however, <laughs> I had a great head knowledge, and I could have walked away and said, I don't believe that no more. That'd be simply because I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my heart. I'd say Rhett and Link, is that what it was? Yeah. Didn't have the stamp of the Holy Spirit. They weren't sealed with his promise. But they had a great head knowledge. Uh, Robbie Zacharias, one of my heroes, man. One of the greatest apologists ever. Uh, He just, when he died, we found out he had women in every country. How sad, man. But now do I think Robbie was lost? I don't know. Could he have that much knowledge about Scripture and not have head knowledge and not have heart knowledge? I don't know. I'm not going to judge, but it looked to me he knew a lot about Scripture, but maybe they did too. But I, if they say they can walk away and be apostate, they never had the heart knowledge, which 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 I'm not in control of. The Holy Spirit's in control of. And uh, that, that'd be my answer because I know me. I mean, I knew the Bible. very, And I'm... I mean, I know it well now because I've studied, but I knew, especially the major stories. Yeah. You know, I knew the Noah and Ark, and, and I believed it. I believed Jonah in the well. I didn't understand that. Jonah and the fish. I know, but I believed it. Mm-hmm. But I was going to bust hell wide open. So, gotcha. That's, yeah. how I, that's how I would answer that. It sounds like a lot of they had an earthly belief, but they didn't have the spiritual belief. Right. Yeah. And they had all the knowledge. But the knowledge hadn't reached them. Yeah, they had it. Yeah, they they didn't let the Holy Spirit didn't take over. But I mean, y'all y'all know a lot about the Bible now simply because you were raised in church. You know, you say you're agnostic, you're atheist. You have a lot of knowledge about Jesus. David's off the off the mic, but he just pointed to David just so you guys know. He's yeah, like, he wasn't sorry. pointing to me. Yeah. <laughs> None yeah, of I'm us sorry. have flipped okay. script yet. Okay. Well, well, my thing is, to look at the same thing. Y'all have a lot of knowledge, but you say you don't you don't have Jesus in your heart. But you have a lot of knowledge because you were raised in it. You talk about it. You know scripture. So you have a lot of, that's what I'd say about Rhett and Link. They have a lot of knowledge. They just don't have heart knowledge. So, great gotcha. question. Thank you. All right, I'll let you uh, ask the next one. All right, let me catch Back here, number 10. All right, that's very professional of us. All right, and kind of y'all are doing great, man. (laughs) Again, branching off of that last question, Mm -hmm. what does sin do to people? Takes you further than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want to stay. Sin, what it does to me as a Christian, as I explained a while ago, it takes me out of fellowship, perfect fellowship with my father. Which I he's he's convicted. He's using the Holy Spirit to convict me because he's he's always present with me, and I need to take that sin. Say, Lord, I, I agree with you. That is sin, and walk back in my faith. 
for for the unbeliever, the Bible says, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that falling short is, in the Greek, is a continual, continual, and that means us too. Mm-hmm. We continually fall short of the glory of God, which is bad news. The Bible, everybody says it's the good book. It's full, if it's the good book, it's got a lot of bad news in it. And in Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of those sin is death. And I'm sure at y'all's age, y'all know a lot of people that physical sin killed them, you know. But it's worse than that. It's a spiritual sin. So what does sin do to people? What sin does to a Christian is a whole lot different than what sin does to a non-Christian because I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm clothed in his righteousness. My heaven is dependent on him, not me. Where they don't have it, and the Bible says, and the wages of sin is death. And the worst death spiritually separated from God who's in eternity forever. So that's to me what sin does. Now, physically here on earth, it can ruin your life. Like I said, take you further. You never thought you, how did I get here? How did I get this far away? How how long did I, why, why have I been in this spot? When you finally come to your senses and go, oh my God, I never thought. Because you didn't get up one morning and think, you know, it's like the guy having an affair on his wife. He didn't get up and go, huh, I think I'm going to have an affair right now. It's just that little thing, and next thing you know, you're headlong into it, and you thought, how did I get to here? How did I ruin my marriage? How did I start with that first look? So it, it, it can ruin your life for the Christian too because we still have that sin nature. We still have that flesh. And uh, the, But to me, the, the biggest question, I mean, the biggest answer in that question is what does it do eternally? Eternally, I have heaven and Others have hell. So. All right. Well, how do you view the Lord's Supper and what implications does that view hold? Uh, Which I guess that would be the the theological question of is it literally the body and blood or is it a metaphor? And if so, why? And what does that mean for you? Yeah, it's a metaphor. We don't turn it. It's not It's not Catholicism. Uh if it was, I don't know if I would do it, but I'm commanded to do it. Uh, I think the, I think the only implications for the Lord's Supper is what it says after the text of of if, how you take it, um, how they've added to it for it to be uh, turning into blood, turning into His body. How they I don't know how even we're in Scripture where they've even come with that. I, I view the Lord's Supper as He tells us, "Do not forget this. Do not forget what is death and resurrection." So, but it, what what amazes me is on below the scripture, Paul writes, "Be careful how you take it, because a lot of you are sick, and a lot of you are asleep, death, because you took it wrongly. You, you know, you're supposed to. I, I tell my people when we do Lord's Supper, man, I hope you confessed up, I hope you clean, walking close and clean, because it's dangerous to take the Lord's Supper in the middle of sin." Known sin because mm-hmm. we all have sin. We have sin we don't even know we have sin. Yeah, sin of omission. But so to to summarize, it's basically it doesn't do anything, but it's a reminder of. It's what a reminder. It doesn't do anything but go. And that's some good Welch's grape juice. That's it. All right. So I have a question. It's not a trick question. That's fine. But it it might sound like a trick question. If Paul says don't uh, don't commune. Unless you're prepared, yep. And it's just a symbol, then what does it matter if you 
if it's just a reminder, then what what is the point of being prepared? Because we're told to do it scripturally. We're commanded to, every time you think of this, do this. That's the simplest up. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like baptism, Lord's Supper. It's just, oh, what's the word I'm looking Tradition. for? Tradition? No. Uh, I can't think of the word. It may be come to me in a minute. I'm, I'm a lot older than y'all Sacrament? Guys. One of the ordinance, maybe it's ordinance. I can't remember. Yeah, ordinance of the church, baptism, Lord's Supper. Yeah, but yeah. it's because it's we're commanded in scripture that whenever you think on these things and, and and continually think on these things, I don't think we, I don't, I'm probably guilty too, but I, I, I think if you do Lord's Supper every week, then you're doing it disjustice because you it becomes monotonous. If you don't do it enough, it's wrong. You know, but it's uh, I think it serves as a reminder. He shed his blood for my sin. And he died a broken body death for me. And I think I think it's to keep our mind on the cross. You know, it's funny. Paul never preached the resurrection. Paul preached the crucifixion. And uh, the resurrection is important because I do want to live, mm-hmm. but I don't want to live unforgiven. And without the cross, there's no reason to live. So, gotcha. That's that's as simple. That might be my Baptist definition, but gotcha. Uh, I could I could take the so many other things in Catholicism. It's not biblical that I wouldn't lean heavy on believing that one either. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't see I don't see a Hail Mary. I don't see beads. I don't see none of that in Scripture. Yeah. So. Yeah, probably Which believe that, that we we um hopefully we will be going to that'd be we're awesome. going to a bunch of different churches that'd so be that awesome, hopefully dude. will be one of them yep. um but uh one thing i've learned in kind of learning about different christian traditions i think is when you're speaking to a protestant they're going to be using sola scriptura just the bible mm-hmm. um when you're speaking to a catholic or an orthodox christian they're going to be using the bible and tradition Oh yeah. So when Protestants and Catholics or Orthodox are kind of talking to each other, a lot of the times they're talking past each other because they're using different standards. Right. One only <laughs> wants the Bible. One wants the Bible and tradition. So it's kind of a broader scope. So yeah, I, I think a lot of times a, there's uh, I had to talking a past each other. Catholic kind of and a, a Methodist and Episcopalian on sola scriptura, the sole authority of scripture, mm-hmm. and uh, that was interesting because. From the get-go, I told him I wanted to debate because I'm the only one that showed up with the Word. How do you debate the Scripture when you don't bring your Bible? But uh, anyway, it was declared the winner of the debate, but it was you could tell with the Catholic guy it was more tradition than the Word. I'm like, dude, the Word's the sword. Mm-hmm. So without the Word, your tradition means nothing. So. Gotcha. I'll let you ask the next one, Michael. All right. And next question, if God is truly omniscient, do we really have free will? I know me and Bailey have touched on this. Yeah, we did an episode very early on on do we have free will and kind of... And the implications of that. And Yeah, yeah, we've we've talked about that a lot. So do I, we have free will? I, guess I, can make that, of, but. I can make that as complicated or as simple as you want it. It's totally up to you. If we don't, <clears throat> I think it's... that He's talking about... Uh, trick question. I'm going to give you a trick answer, not being obnoxious. 
is probably the most silliest question on here. Because if we didn't have free will, why is our country all to hell? Why is the world all to hell? Because we chose, if he's all powerful, he could have kept us perfectly in a garden the way he created us. Mm-hmm. You know, for a while there, it was very well until a naked woman gave a man an apple. You know, and then all hell broke. But if we had truly had, I mean, I can go into predestined and foreknowledge and blah, blah, blah. But if you look around, if you look around, if we don't have free will, there's a whole lot of people. God's making a lot of bad choices for us. You know, why is there murder? Why is there? I mean, so just a very simple question. Mm-hmm. I can look at the world and go, yeah, we have free will. Now, if you mean free will of choosing him or the elect, or that's a little different question. But yeah, we have free will. Is God going to use? God's going to do, God's will is going to be done. He is all powerful, gotcha. and he He will use you if you choose Him. And He knows where you're going to choose Him or not. And even if you do not choose Him, He's going to use you to accomplish His purpose. So it, it sounds complicated, and a lot of guys like to make it complicated. And they'll debate days. They'll write books on it. But I can just look at the world and go, mm-hmm, "We have free will." You better believe we have free will. Yeah. I guess kind of the the idea behind that is if God knows everything, if he's Mm -hmm. really omniscient, then he knows what you're going to do. So if God knows what you're going to do and God put everything in motion, did God determine what you're going to be doing? No. And if, if no, how? Determine comes, determines the main word. Yeah. And he knows what we're going to do, but he gave us the free will to choose. And, uh, we, even in Romans 8 and Romans 9, he's talking about predestined and foreknowledge. Of course he has foreknowledge. He wouldn't be God. You know, it's just, he knows, he just simply knows, but he can't determine. If if he determines, he's determined. God can choose evil. So if you do evil, God didn't determine you to do evil. He can't choose evil. What is one thing God can't do? He can't choose evil. So he know he would not allow you to do evil if you didn't have free will, you chose evil, you chose bad, you chose whatever. He's going to give you free will. And I know it burns his heart to know we're going to do that one day. If he knows the number of hair on my head and he knew my name before my mom and dad knew my name, he surely knows the choices I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. But he's his, the point is God's will will be complete. Whether he uses you one way or the, he's going to use you. He's going to use your salvation. He's going to use your rejection, but he's still going to get his will done. And this court, if you want to be used by God or if you want to be used in another way, but for God to determine determine that somebody murdered somebody, God can't choose evil. There's nothing, there's nothing evil about God, nothing unholy in his presence. So we have free will. Again, keep it simple mm-hmm. where a lot of people want to complicate it. It'd so be, it's kind of it'd like, be a boring world though. If, yeah. If we didn't have free will, It'd be boring. Mm-hmm. I I kind of I kind of don't want my sex life with my wife to be predetermined predetermined by, by God. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want free will to rock and roll. Yeah, you know. So it's so. kind of like um, God said. Just because God knows what you're gonna do doesn't mean that God, you know. Oh, that's that's a weird way of phrasing it. Go go ahead and say it. How I look at it, God as the all knowing willing able to do anything being on the spiritual plane Mm -hmm. knows every choice you make and didn't make throughout and i look at it as he 
sees what you can and can't do. And he watches the tree evolve and shift, but he already knows where that tree could shift. And he already knows that the tree has shifted before. But just because God knows that doesn't mean that you know that. And doesn't so mean, it doesn't mean that he caused that because you don't know what he... No, he don't cause yeah. it. He just knows what we're going to do. Yeah, it's complicated. If you think about it, it, it sucks more being God than it does us because he knows ahead of time how bad we're going to screw things up or not. That'd be... I don't want to know my future. I don't know about y'all guys. A lot of people, I don't know my future. I don't. I don't want to know nothing about my future. I, want, I barely want to know tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But imagine being God, knowing... This little couple's getting married. And it's going to be a wonderful. It's going to be the wreck of their life, or because they're simply out of his will somewhere. But I think we we can look at it complicated, and I can get into the dissertation on it. I got my doctrine in theology, but I think if you just look at the world and go, do you really think God would have chose that? Mm-hmm. If God's who He says He is, and we believe He is, or I believe He is, I'm going to look at a world and go. I'm glad he chose me to do good. Now, I just look around. I look around this street at the nastiness. This is, this is God's creation. Can't God keep it from being littered? Yeah, he could if he wanted to, but he's not going to intervene. We have to choose. It just happens to know what we will choose. Yeah. So. All right. All right. And for our next question. Do you think religion and science are at odds? And this is probably one of my favorite questions to ask. Do you right. have to pick one or the other? Can you have both? Are they at odds? Well, simplifying again. Uh, it's I think it's according to how you define religion. Religion, most people say uh, Christianity is a religion, Islam is a religion, Mormon, Mormonism is a religion, I don't see that. I'm, I don't have a religion to have a relationship. I think Christianity is a relationship. Religion is simply a set of principles, a set of worldviews, a set of concepts, a set of theories, which may or may not include a supreme being, may or may not include a God. Yeah. Uh, so is it, is it at, at odds? Um, I think, I think science, I don't know how I really want to answer the question because my definition of religion is different than most people's definition of religion. Right. But I can say this, wherever you have your faith in is your God. So do I think it's odds? I think the further we go and learn more things that we realize, I think the very question for me is, do I think the Bible and science are at odds? And Yeah. Uh, that's that. I guess that's kind of what it's getting at. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, it's still a good question because a lot of people define religion differently, but religion is simply a set of worldviews, and my worldview has my God in it. So I'm approaching it from a biblical standpoint. I think it's amazing over the years uh, what has come to fruition. Uh, I mean, they've even changed now. It used to be the Big Bang, the Big Bang. Now they've now oh that didn't happen. Now they've gone away from the Big Bang. It's because it keeps being proved differently. Um, you like faith. You, if you every every bit of it's faith, no matter what, if it's evolution, creationism, whatever, there's a faith in something, which to me implies implies religion. Yeah, so, we've actually we've talked about oh, that yeah. quite a bit. Oh, oh yes, we yeah. have. You we have actually, the, I think an episode that's uh, at this point while we're recording this, I think it's coming out next week. Mm-hmm. 
um, where we talk about a lot about uh, any belief you have is, uh, you know, whether it's disbelief or disbelief, it's, it's still faith. a belief and it's yeah. faith in some way. You have faith in something. Right. And it might have been more kind of focused on atheism, but at the end of the day, whatever you put your belief in is what you put your belief in. Yeah, I think it's a, that is your religion. But I think, uh, for example, the, all of us have it, every single person in the world having different fingerprints. That wasn't enough. So God said, let me show them DNA. How everybody in the world can have different DNA from, from a, a gene pool becoming more complex and, and I don't see it. And it evol- evolution comes from evolve. Again, look at the world. We're not evolving. All I see is I'm devolving. I'm going the other way. I'm, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from the day you're born, you start dying. And you just look at the world, how corrupt. And nothing gets more and more and more. But God keeps showing us whole DNA. You know how complex DNA is? Like we just put all these things to a clock and all of a sudden they just started ticking. That's to me, I mean, maybe not to y'all, but to me, that's nonsense. Yeah, this is so it sounds absolute more like, nonsense. It sounds kind of like the uh, intelligent design argument we talked about yeah, way now, back when. Now you can go, you can go, you can, you can debate with me whether that was God, whether that was what. But, but evolution, okay, it came from this atom or it came from this, who made that? Yeah, it, it's somewhere it's intelligent tonight. I believe, and when I told you about my beliefs, I know, I know it's God. I know in the beginning He spoke it to be true. Do I understand? No, don't have to. But to believe, uh, science keeps proving science. I love this now, uh, which goes to the next question. I'll kind of tie it together because do I need to be involved? Yes, yeah, science. Go ahead, and, go ahead and follow up the next question I know what we're talking about. Okay. All right. Because I'm going to tie these two together. All right, all right. In your opinion, how should Christians interact with politics? Uh, That's a topic we've skirted around a lot oh, I on love the show. It. I'm we'll, very political. We'll probably do episodes on it in the future. I am, but, a, yeah. I am a right-wing, pistol-packing preacher. <laughs> and uh, do I think we need to be in polit- involved in politics? Of course, because politics legislates morality. And if you're going to legislate morality, I'm going to make sure my my church and my the word is part of that legislation. And uh, so, so science, politics, religion, Christianity, how does that fit? Yeah, I have to be involved because you're trying to tell me now that I must believe the science of global warming when there is no science. It's a computer model, period. They can guess. They can say, well, millions of years ago it was, how do you know? You don't know. But I'm supposed to believe that nonsensical science. And now you tell me I'm the science denier because I deny a theory. And now they've even tried to change the definition of a theory, like the theory of evolution. They're trying to say that, oh, well, you know, it's, no, a theory, the definition of theory is I think so. Oh, there's science into it. But it's still I think so. It cannot be proven. But I'm a science denier if I deny that. Yeah. I'm a science denier if I deny global warming. But now you're trying to tell me there's 130-something genders? Well, what's the Bible do? What's creation do? Chromosomes. There's only two different ones, male, female. 
So you, you want me to not deny the science. You tell me I'm a science denier on all this stuff that you can't prove, but yet DNA proves intelligent design. Fingerprints uh, uh, show intelligent design. Chromosomes show intelligent design. But you want me to believe all that nonsense? So yeah, I think it all ties together. I have to be involved because I got people that's uh, saying legislating uh, homosexual marriage. Well, science shows me plumbing. Science shows me male plug, female plug. Science. Now, how does it go with the word? I'm told in Romans 1 that it's wrong. So I can tie the Bible to the politics to the science. Mm -hmm. So I think they all play together. These, these preachers that say you should not preach politics and you should stay out of science, you know the Revolutionary War was won because preachers led their churches into battle. That's very political. And I don't, I, it might happen again one day. I don't know. Yeah. But I'd be glad to lead them. Yeah. But I, think, uh, I think one correction, I, I'm not 100% positive on this, but I'm pretty certain I saw a video a week or two ago about climate change. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty certain. Which the, is it, though? Uh, well, well, I think um, on climate change and global warming, like, yes, they have models going back however long, but they also have, like, um, they can see uh, an environment from, like, 100 years ago and compare it to today, and the only major thing that's changed is, like, fossil fuel, fossil fuel production and stuff like that. So that's kind of where that's coming from. It's not so much based on the models from in 1970 on the cover of time magazine we were going to die from an ice age in 1980 on the time the cover of the time magazine the same model now we're going to burn up inconvenient truth by al gore we should be already dead in 12 years but see what they do is 100 years from now 100 years from now because what's going to happen 100 years from now we ain't going to be here to prove it wrong or right every one of us predicted the time is wrong because it's a model they don't know. They don't have nothing. They didn't have the capacity to know 100 years ago how to measure all that. So we're using a model to, but the same model that predicted the Ice Age predicted, and for, it used to be global warming until that didn't work. Till that, you didn't see the, look up the emails with NASA where they falsified all their emails to get more government funding. And uh, so when global warming didn't work, Climate change, how convenient. It happens here four times a year. It's been happening my whole life. Mm-hmm. It's cold in the winter. It's hot in the summer. Hope it's nice in the fall. But they've changed the name. It's ice age, global warming, climate change. Yeah, of course. If I believe, but how do we know that five degrees hotter on average isn't normal? But say You won't say million years ago. I believe 6,000. But you want to say millions of years ago. How do we know millions of years ago, maybe we're, maybe we're getting back to normal? How do we know this is not normal? There's no way. Gotcha. I, I, one of them things I'm like, follow the money. Follow the money. You think there'll ever be a cure to cancer? No, because there's too much money. Yeah, you know, how much, you know how many people be out of work for American Cancer Society? and yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative no, nasty no, over I, here, but... Yeah, I'm telling you, all you got to do is look at the world. And a lot lot of what I notice is instead of going, hey, everybody, 
big corporation, little guy, we all need to work together on mm-hmm. this instead of doing this. Hey, little guy, why don't you pick up the slack? Exactly. Exactly. Especially with a lot of the climate change things, it's always the big companies pointing out to us, hey, you threw that bottle in the trash, you know, you're going to kill this planet. You're pumping pollutants in the air. Which one of us going to kill it? My deal is in this uh, Paris Accord, who's paying for it? America. In America, if you look at the world, we're a blimp, man. We're a blimp on the screen. And we're already the leading, leading country in the world on cutting our carbon, cutting our uh, greenhouse gases, cutting, cutting, cutting. India, China, the biggest polluters in the world, they have to do nothing in the Paris change for like 50 years. So just me, follow the money. Mm-hmm. Also follow the power. Uh, look, what the, look what a simple pandemic. It wasn't as bad as SARS, where it was worse on kids and we didn't shut down no school. Just why I think you got to be involved. They're shutting down. Politics is shutting down churches over a friggin' mask. I, that won't happen here. That will not not here in America. Here, this church. Now here, oh, we'll be a lot of dead people. We might all be dead, but it will not happen here. So gotcha. you know, like Canada, we don't play that. Yeah. So basically, they there is overlap. There's got to be, but there's got to be a hierarchy. Yeah, got to be. Is essentially the and the, I, the I summary. I, I love it because it's also changed. Politicians work for us. We don't work for them. But it's changed that, you know, maybe if you maybe if we get vaccinated, we can, you can have a cookout on July the 4th. Dude, I've been having cookouts the whole time. What you talking about? Yeah. So I, that's my, it's just trying to prove how it overlaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, good question. So we actually did a whole episode on this. Um, this is the one that will come up with two weeks before this episode. Um, what is one general thing that you think Christians in America should work on? Oh man. Truth and love. We got the reason we have a lot of the problems in the world. And, uh, you might dig this and you is Christians. We haven't we, walked. <laughs> we, we have just, an episode. We, we, uh, have an episode <laughs> called the problem of Christians. Yeah. We have a, we haven't walked our walk, man. And, uh, we haven't stood our ground. We've looked weak. We got to stand up for truth and, and 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 more in love. You know, you can be firm, and I believe you should be firm. If y'all come tomorrow, you'll see how Peter was firm in the text when I'm preaching tomorrow. And uh, we should be firm in the truth, but but we got to quit being hypocrites in the in our faith. And uh, I think we ought to reach out more. Quit assuming our neighbor knows the Lord or or. I, I just really believe the truth and sharing love and uh, part of sharing you can't you can't share love without truth, you know. And a lot of people, well, that's un, the truth's unloving. No, truth's truth. And so, but Christians are the reasons we have a lot of the problems we have. So it's kind of like uh, that quote I think Gandhi once said: "I like your Christ, but not your Christians." Mm, amen. I, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't like all my members and they know it. <laughs> so, so basically, the, I don't like the way they act. I don't right. like the way they get themselves in this mess and that mess. And, you know, knowing I, I, you just listen to a message on that and you sit there and amen forever. Now you're doing the same thing. You got to stop, man. Mm-hmm. So, so basically the idea is, um, get 
get Christians to work on themselves and Amen. then that'll change a few things. Just just they will know us by our love, walk the walk. Just walk the walk, man. Gotcha. Remember Christ was both a warrior and loved all kind. I get what he was saying. I, I know we have to share the gospel in words, but uh, uh the first mission. There's a way you can do that in love and there's a way you can do that. You can you can preach hellfire and brimstone on people and not really well, he says, be tolerant. Uh Share the gospel with people. Use words if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that just by your walk, man. Mm -hmm. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all of our questions as we're wrapping up. um, For anyone at home who is curious, what would be the process of becoming a member of your church? Uh, We do a membership class, candidate class, because we go through this stuff. We want you to know what you're getting into. This isn't your typical church. Mm-hmm. So we have a little, we feed them a little something. And we just, I actually teach the little class and I tell them all about us, how we do church. This is it like is who one we class are. or is it like a series? Yes, one. Okay. This is how we do church. It's like after church for about an hour and they can, and then, and then they sign a, uh, an agreement. You know, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to, does it keep them from doing it? <laughs> no, they have a Bible. They shouldn't do it, mm-hmm. but we want them in a covenant with us. And, uh, but we don't, we don't focus much on that. You know, if you come want to be a part, we, we just, it's not one of our big folks. We just want people to be at church, man. Right. Come here to gospel. And we, we put more focus on uh, serve because if you serve, you assimilate and we, it connects you. So we put more focus on serving than we do membership. Okay. Gotcha. So, and we don't have like 5,000 on the roll and 200 coming. Like mm-hmm. most churches, how many members you got? Nine hundred and fifty. How many come? <laughs> Seventy five. Because yeah. they never take nobody off. We don't play that. Yeah, I know a few churches like that. Yeah, <clears throat> we've got seventy five in here. Half of them are babies. Yeah, <laughs> or all of them old. So yeah. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Um, well, let yeah. me say to y'all, man, thank you guys. Yeah, I no, told you before, you. but I want to tell you on the podcast, I. I, I love the way you're seeking, man. Three young guys. I wish that happened more. I wish that happened more at my church. So I think it's got a heart for young adults anyway. And so I thank y'all guys for seeking. Cool. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being willing to do the interview and all. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see y'all tomorrow. Yeah. We'll, we'll be, be here, here tomorrow. And then, uh, y'all come at nine or 11. We're coming at the 11 one. Right. So, um, get a little beauty sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, our attendance switched during the, uh, pandemic we had drive-in for a while mm-hmm. we never missed church but i think people got used to getting up and coming on to church at nine because it mm-hmm. used to be nine was smaller one eleven was the blowout and now all of a sudden the nine everybody I think, comes to the early well, they didn't have to get <coughs> excuse me <coughs> they didn't have to get dressed they just still in their pajamas mm-hmm. and i think they got used to getting up so they just transferred that into coming at nine Gotcha. So it's crazy because most churches, your biggest one will be at 11. And yeah. But it just, I mean, it totally, I mean, the the numbers just switched. Hmm. So I don't I don't care when they come, as long as they come. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, as far as next week, we're going to be, or at least next week when you're listening, um, dun, dun, dun. the next thing you'll be hearing is our thoughts on the uh, service that we're attending tomorrow. That might, might be confusing. We're recording the interview today. Going to church tomorrow, next week on the podcast, you'll hear our thoughts on the service that we're going to tomorrow in real life.
Hopefully that makes sense. It makes sense to me. And All right, I'm, cool. I'm the dullest member here, so. Yeah, well, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you Did you want to plug anything for your church? I'm in 9-11 on Sunday mornings. You can find us at uh, heightschurchsc.com. All right, cool. Well, thank you for doing the interview. Thank you, guys. Um, it's been yeah, a pleasure. It's been real. It's thank been you. fun. It's been real fun. And uh, we'll see you next time.